Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of the Fertility Insider. I'm your host, Dr. Kenan Omertag. In this episode, I'll be talking to our graduating third-year fellow, Dr. Stephanie Gunderson, as she transitions from St. Louis back to her hometown of Milwaukee. She talks a little bit about what her experience was as a fellow at WashU, what her anxieties are about going back home, and really whether where the best beer scene is, St. Louis or Milwaukee. Stay tuned. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Fertility Insider Podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Dr. Stephanie Gunderson, a third-year fellow here at the Washington University School of Medicine REI Fellowship uh, Program. This is her last year, and she's graduating. How exciting is that? So, um, and then she's going back home to Wisconsin and Milwaukee to kind of talk, uh, and she'll talk to us about what her new job is going to be like. But How's it feel to be graduating right now with COVID and all this stuff, by the way? We haven't really talked about that. Does that mean? No. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little surreal. It feels like something is coming to an end, but there's not a ton of closure. I, it makes me really sad that I don't get to see the people who trained me and helped form the physician that I am prior to me leaving. Um, I know the clinic just opened and you guys are starting to ramp up, but in, me being on research, I am typically at home working or studying. Um, and so I don't see all the people um, that were influential in my fellowship and my training, which is a real bummer. Yeah, I mean, do, you know, the graduation ceremony this year, do you kind of have a sense, like, what is that going to look like for you? Do, do you know? Uh, I, I, I've heard that there's going to be some type of virtual thing that I probably will not participate in. Um, but I know that, you know, us as in a, a small group of um, people um, may get together and be able to say goodbye, um, just the fellows and the attendings. And then I hopefully I'm going to have a few of the people that were really influential uh, beyond those people that are going to be getting together at my home just to say goodbye to those people too. So you talked about you're like wrapping up research. So talk, so you're a third year fellow kind of at the end. So what kind of stuff are you wrapping up right now? Um, so typically at WashU, we do our first year as clinical, and then our whole second year and a half of our third year is research. Um, and typically our third year is split, you know, six months research, six months clinical. I'm really thankful. I actually went back to clinic a little bit early in anticipation of trying to finish writing my thesis during this time frame. So I actually got all of my six months clinically, um, which I know a lot of people haven't gotten from other fellowships. Um, and WashU is awesome and its flexibility in allowing fellows to do things like that. Um, so I've been very grateful. So currently right now I'm just finishing my thesis and preparing to go on to my next job and making sure that I have all of the data that I need to continue writing my other papers that I have currently working here. So I want to talk a little bit about, I want to use, let's talk about your research a little bit because you kind of blazed a trail here um, as it mm-hmm. relates to you you know, you reached, you kind of made contact with a um, scientist and uh, who hadn't used REI fellows before, and you've really kind of developed a niche in male infertility. Can you talk a little bit about what your thesis project is just briefly? Yeah. So um, our thesis project is actually looking at markers of capacitation that have not been um, measured in the past. So currently right now, uh, for a male factor diagnosis, we have semen analysis, um, you know, Y chromosome microdeletions, DNA fragmentation, those sort of things, but we don't really know 
if there's a normal spermic patient, if they still have male factor infertility. Uh, all we see is a normal semen analysis and we don't know how to treat these patients. Do we do the standard intrauterine insemination followed by IVF and do we use ICSI on these patients? Do we use conventional insemination? So my project really focused on measuring the intracellular pH, which increases early incapacitation, we think, and correlating that with IVF outcomes and actually determining who with normal spermic semen parameters may have a male factor. So you might, you have potentially a new tool for clinicians to triage patients to IVF um, and maybe even ICSI. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, you know, we're in the very ground stages of it currently, and we were using flow cytometry, which is cumbersome and large equipment, very expensive. So we're trying to, you know, try to measure the, this marker in different ways that would be more clinic friendly. Uh, maybe we would be able to measure it at the time of semen analysis and better direct care, or is this something that changes with each semen sample? Those are all questions that need to be answered, but we've had pretty good results so far, and we're excited about what the future holds. Do you plan on kind of continuing this research in your next job after this? Um, you know, this has been a really great experience. Um, and it's been really interesting to be able to kind of see this project all the way through um, to publication. Uh, I don't know for sure what will happen in the future. Um, but I've been grateful to be able to participate in the extent that I have been able to so far. So let, let, let's, let's talk about this. So you are tell me about what are you doing after fellowship? Uh, so I am moving to Milwaukee with my family, um, but we'll be spending two months with my parents and my daughter in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, and then I start my job at the Medical College of Wisconsin, where I did residency and uh, medical school. Uh, and hopefully that'll be my forever job. How does it feel to be going back? It's a little scary. Um, you know, you know these people in a completely different setting. They're your attendings and your superiors and you know, you really look up to them and now you're their equal, which is a little hard. And I still find myself calling everyone Dr. So-and-so instead of by their first name. Um, and I'm a little leery about how the residents are going to treat me. I was their colleague. Um, so it makes it a little hard to exert any type of authority over that. But I'm also very excited. Um, it's very, it's close to my home. It's where my husband and I met and where we had our daughter. Um, so it feels like home to us. So we're really excited to be going back to friends and family. What is kind of the biggest, what, what is one of the biggest anxieties you have about going back? I probably just not being taken seriously because, you know, they knew you as a trainee and a trainee role and don't know how I've grown and developed over the last three years. Um, so, I mean, everyone changes and everyone grows and becomes more wise and learns their specialty. And I think it'll just be, you know, reforming those those impressions that have already been made. It'll also be nice though. I think from the, I don't know, just as an outside observer, just the fact that you were there and then you left and then are coming back gives you a kind of totally different perspective. And they'll probably, mm -hmm. I would guess, they would probably be excited to hear about the stories that you had over the last three years and really what you've learned. Yeah. Uh, so to that point, what are some of the things that you feel like you'll take away? What, what are some of the things that like you know, three things or something that you um, would take away from your time here at WashU that you feel like you would apply as you settle into your new role as a faculty member there? Oh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> probably, <laughs> you didn't tell me this one. 
Um, you know, being, being flexible, I think is really important. Um, you know, there's not just a right or wrong answer. There's definitely gray. Um, and I learned that most from you, um, (laughs) (laughs) and just go go with the flow a little bit. (laughs) That's right. Um, what else? I mean, that's been a big thing. And, uh, you know, I, I've been a very type A black and white person and I have really, you know, developed this gray area, um, to my thinking, which has been kind of a huge breakthrough for me. Um, now, can you talk you know, about, go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Keep going. Well, can you talk about what your role is? Are you going to be like research? Are you going to be like faculty? Like, are you going to be clinical? Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is going to be? And if you're going to be asked to do any kind of specific niche area? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be mainly clinical. Um, you know, our residents are, are, all, are all required to do a research project and um, REI is very heavily involved in resident research. So I'm sure I'll be available for that and wanting to take some of that on. Um, as far as my niche, uh, I've been asked to kind of lead the fertility preservation program. Um, currently, the Medical College of Wisconsin has a huge cancer center, it has a huge children's hospital, and there's just not much of a fertility preservation uh, center. Uh, or recruitment, I said, or not recruitment, that's a bad word. Um, referral, I guess. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start doing that. And then I also grew up in a very rural um, town in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that it has no access to fertility care. Actually, the entire Upper Peninsula does not. Um, so I am going to be starting a clinic there that I go up there one uh, day a month and see consults and hopefully be able to set up some remote monitoring for these patients and get them access to care. Now, how do you think, so, you know, obviously with COVID and even before then, there was kind of a move for telemedicine in the fertility world that's gotten, you know, that's heightened, obviously, recently. Do you feel like you'll be utilizing those kind of tools in the Upper Peninsula? I think definitely. I mean, I think that'll give more patients access to care. If they can't see me on the one Friday a month that I'm there, then I can, you know, squeeze them in for a telemedicine consult when I'm in Milwaukee and see them later. I think it's I think it's been a great tool that a lot of clinicians have been able to use and implement into their clinical practice. So since, so you're going to be doing kind of like this, you're going to be kind of like the lead for fertility preservation there. Can you talk about your experience with fertility preservation here at WashU and as a fellow and what that was like? Yeah. Um, so as a fellow, we typically get all the consults from the from in hospital and then any consults that are coming to the office, uh, we can be a part of, and we're able to consult these patients on their options and, um, discuss kind of what their future may hold um, after treatment and after cancer. Um, and, you know, as far as what else uh, we've been involved in, we've talked a lot about doing different um, IRB protocols for ovarian tissue cryopreservation. I've been able to talk to a few people about that and how to implement that clinically. Um, are you so going yeah. to be doing a lot related to, like, you said there's a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to be doing like also some non-cancer stuff like rheumatology, um, transgender, are you going to have those, are those services going to be part of the fertility preservation process for you as well? Yeah, that would be my goal is to reach out to as many people as we can. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Be able to kind of start to kind of be able to grow and develop something. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Let's let's switch gears here. You where did you do undergrad? Uh, St. Norbert College in Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
and you did a medical school and residency at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So you are Midwest through and through. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're also kind of like a beer connoisseur. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes. So the transition to St. Louis maybe was not that difficult or was it? Um, it was hot, Kenan. It was very, very hot. Uh, everyone says this is the Midwest. I'm 100% sure it is not. It's the South. The Midwest has beautiful seasons that are very moderate. Um, and this is just hot. Yeah, we were, we, I was just talking to Caitlin and she was like, yeah, it's actually more humid than Atlanta. And I was like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so has your, so how have you found living in St. Louis, um, compared to, you know, living in Milwaukee? Uh, besides the weather, um, my husband will tell you it is one of the best beer scenes in the country. Um, so that's been a lot of fun exploring the city and going to patios and things like that. And it's all very kid friendly. So you can bring your kids and they've got food and activities for the whole family. Um, St. Louis and Missouri in general have been really kid friendly and has been really awesome uh, raising our daughter here and being able to do all of the things um, that they have to offer. And a lot of it's free. Um, so the zoo is free and the science center is free and there's just much to do currently not right now, but in general, um, on the weekends to keep you busy. And that's been something that I've really enjoyed about this place. Um, what is the, wh what is it about the program itself that was attractive to you? So originally I really wanted to come here. I, I you know, I was really into research. I did uh, bench research in residency actually. Um, and I loved that they had this amazing opportunity and a lot of options to do different research at WashU. A lot of the programs I went to had this one research project that everyone kind of took a chunk of, and that was your project. Um, and I liked that you could kind of develop your own, um, kind of pave your own way essentially in the research realm. I also really wanted something that was well-rounded. So, you know, a lot of places are very heavy in IVF or very heavy in surgery and not very heavy in IVF. And I wanted a place that I was able to get the surgical training I wanted, but also, you know, have enough of the ART procedures and be able to see enough patients um, and enough diagnoses that I would be a very well-rounded physician when I graduated. You know, in comparing your experience with your peers, what are you, what would you say are some of the things that about our program that maybe were different? I mean, you talk about kind of how some is well, it's a well-rounded program. Yeah. Um, what would you, what were like when you met with your peers, what are some of the things that you noticed that were different or if there was. Anything? Yeah. The big thing that struck that stuck out to me um, was that WashU is not service driven at all. It's very much uh, you reap what you sow. And the more you want to be involved, um, the more you can be and the more you want to read, the more you can and the more you can learn in that fashion, if that's the way you choose to learn. Um, and this program does not need fellows to run. You guys are all completely competent and don't need anything or anyone um, to help you. And I think that that's really great because now we're like in a learning realm at that point in time. And, you know, we get tons of autonomy um, and we just get to see a variety of different patients. It's just been an all around great experience. All right. So before we go, I want to ask you a couple questions. Okay. What is, um, what is, fuck, I just, <laughs> uh, okay. Before we go, I want to ask you a couple questions. This is going to be kind of like a lightning oh, round. No. Okay. okay. 
All right. So COVID, you've had some downtime. What is what have you been doing with your downtime? Uh, studying for boards. Where are you taking boards? Milwaukee. Who is your favorite superhero? Iron Man. Why? Because he made himself a superhero. I can't I can't argue with that. <laughs> he is probably my so we've been watching all the um MCU basically all the the, oh, the all the um, movies and um we've even got the girls watching some of yeah. it. Um so the big debate in the house is who's your favorite yeah. and um for me it's Iron Man mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons but he's the one I like the most. Yeah. And then a lot of folks my wife loves Thor. Okay. And the girls love Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> and Thor. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> okay, which um, so which one was your favorite movie? Of the Marvel Universe? Oh, God. Yeah. I probably could never watch it again, but Endgame. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was so sad and so, like, it just came to an end, which I loved, but I hate that Iron Man is gone. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, man. Have you been watching any trashy TV this time during this time? Uh, well, I binged that new show from Netflix that um, Mindy Kaling wrote. Um, Never have I ever is that what it's called? Never have I something? Oh yeah, it was I awesome. Heard of that. Um, and then also we watched in like one night the second season of the one with Christina Applegate. What is that one? Oh, uh, yeah, Dead I know to what me. you're talking about. Yes. Dead yeah. to me, yeah. And how, so um, you mentioned, Mar- real quick, you mentioned Mark. Um, what does he, so you guys met in medical school. So what does he do? Just tell us real briefly what he's doing. It's doing telehealth 100% of the time, and he will be moving to a, um, the same center as I am, Medical College of Wisconsin, in July. So was it difficult for you guys when you guys, when you matched here? Did he have any difficulty finding a job? He did not. Um, Dr. Keller, who's one of the physicians here, has a husband who is a psychiatrist as well. And they spoke and some information from him and, you know, was able to reach out to different places and recruiters and found something pretty easily. I'm pretty convinced that reproductive endocrinology and psychiatry <laughs> are going ex- are, are gonna to excel in the telehealth post-COVID right? world. Yeah, but, um, they have like no plans of switching back to from telehealth. Uh, was there any discussion of them going to telehealth before uh, this? I, mean, I don't know. I don't really know that. Um, and it was kind of slow for them to do it. I mean, slow relatively. It took them like two weeks to do it. Um, but... Yeah, I'm Mark's like they haven't said anything. They think maybe July at the earliest. Yeah. Cool. Okay, what's your favorite beer? Uh, kind or in general, like my favorite beer. Oh, uh, New England I Kind. Why? Because uh, it's just so flavorful and it's got that juiciness, but the IPA bitterness, it's just fantastic. Do you do you drink ciders? Uh I will. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't no it would not be my choice is that kind of like an insulting question to ask someone who's like (laughs) a beer 
<laughs> I remember I went to a bar and I asked for a cider beer and they were like, they gave me a lecture on how it's not oh, a cider man. beer. It's a cider. <laughs> and I was like, yo, just get me the right. drink, man. Um, all right, man. That's Dr. Gunderson. She had a great time here at WashU. She's going back home. Um, check us out on the next episode where we'll talk with some current and former fellows. Uh, thanks a lot, Stephanie, for your time. I Thank appreciate you, it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're interested in more fertility or infertility related content, check me out at Dr. Kenan Omertag, MD on Instagram.